A warm welcome and thank you for joining another episode of our Future Mobility webcast series. I am Nicolas Kredel and I chair the Global Future Mobility Group at Baker McKenzie. In this session, we will address the concept of smart cities and explore the opportunities this sector opens to future mobility companies. According to the United Nations, 68% uh, of the world population is expected to live in urban areas by 2050. So they live in cities. But what exactly is a smart city? I found a lot of definitions of a smart city and most of all definitions may vary uh, according to the level of development and infrastructure priorities of each country. But smart cities all have at their core the common objective of improving the consumer's way of life through intelligent communications networks, enhanced access to health, transportation and data, amongst other things. So smart cities affect every aspect of life as we know it, from healthcare to infrastructure, from transportation to data technology. That's fine, but pretty general. What we will look at now is which opportunities do smart cities represent for future mobility companies? And what does the concept mean from a legal perspective? For this conversation on smart cities, I'm very pleased to be joined by my colleagues. Yeiko Hodaka is a corporate partner in the firm's Tokyo office. She serves as the regional chair of the Industrial Manufacturing and Transportation Group in Asia Pacific. But most importantly, Yeko also serves as a fellow at the fourth uh, Industrial Revolution Center of the World Economic Forum and acts as a member of uh, the Smart City team at the Forum's Japan Center. Next up, Raffaele Giarda. He's based in Italy and is uh, the global head of Baker McKenzie's technology, media and telecoms industry group. And he also co-heads the IP tech and corporate M&A practices in the firm's Italy offices. Finally, Andrew McKenzie is based in Dubai. He's a partner and head of our arbitration, construction and offshore litigation practice. So turning to Andrew. Andrew, you are from Dubai, and I understand that the city is already pretty far along on its way to being a smart city. Why is that? And which opportunities and challenges do you see for future mobility companies? Thank you, Nicholas. So Dubai is one of the few cities in the world that has adopted a fairly unique approach to becoming a smart city and has very ambitious targets to do so. Underpinning that aspiration uh, is three key themes, communication, integration, and cooperation. We've already seen the instigation of new laws by the ruler of Dubai to bring about the first three uh, aspects of those three themes, uh, communication, integration, and cooperation. And that took the form of the Dubai data law, which was released in October, 2015. It would allow the sharing of government data with the private sector. And when he announced the new law, the ruler of Dubai said it would create new opportunities for collaboration and innovation as well as entrepreneurship between government and non-government entities. But fundamentally, Dubai's approach to being a smart city is underpinned by eight key pillars. 
telecoms, tourism, utilities, education, building, public safety, transportation and healthcare. There's a lot to take on board, but through the integration of these various sectors, Dubai hopes to be and is indeed moving towards being the first fully integrated and fully connected smart city. Telecoms obviously underpins all of this and it is the backbone for every major smart city to allow it to work seamlessly, to have end-to-end -end connectivity um, and therefore enable both government and non-government entities to collaborate more extensively. One key example of this within the Dubai uh, framework is the Dubai Now app, an app that every citizen in Dubai has on their phone that allows instantaneous digital access to over 70 government and private sector services all in one place. And this includes access to utilities, transportation, religion, health, education, residency um, and businesses. By implementing the Smart City program within Dubai, what we've seen is a move or an embracing of this idea of sharing data, as I've mentioned, between various government and non-government entities. And this meant that information about the characteristics of the city would be acquired through billions of digital sensors that are positioned around the city. So that behavioral patterns of both the individuals and companies and businesses operating in the city would be monitored and then digested and analyzed to allow for a better seamless integration of those various services. At its core, data analytics is going to be the key driver and Dubai has recognized that and placed that at the heart of what it wants to achieve. Connecting a multitude of systems and aggravating data does not just help make a city smart. It is about, as I said, analyzing that data and putting it into practice. And we've seen that most recently with the uh, rollout of the COVID vaccine during the pandemic. Dubai was and is now the world leader in providing in, in rolling the vaccine out to its citizens. That was orchestrated through the combination of both government and non-government entities collaborating together through a digital platform to ensure every resident within the city and the wider UEE were aware of where they could get the vaccine, what different vaccines were available, and a time and place that they could turn up. So they weren't reliant on letters in the post or uh, phasing it through necessarily uh, based on location or age group all the information was collected uh, linked to our uh, various individual health records and it allowed a much more seamless integration and rollout of that process and procedure so dubai is really leading the way in, in terms of how a, a city is supposed to collaborate and integrate both with the government and the private sector to ensure that it has a seamless rollout of services and at its core dubai has placed um, quality of life as its main driving point the idea is to make a citizen's life a lot less cumbersome. So we're not standing in queues or running around trying to find and fill out various forms. It is all done in one central place through the use of smart technology and the proper analysis of data. Understood. Thank you, Andrew. Seems that Dubai is very much ahead of the curve. So let's turn to the legal angle. Yeko. You have been looking at the concept of smart cities for the World Economic Forum. In Japan, the government is now under the selection process of super cities. You told me that if they are chosen, the government will deregulate these cities to help implementing emerging technologies such as autonomous driving, drones and remote medical care. So from a legal perspective, what is the primary concern raised by companies, by the municipalities themselves, and of course, also by the residents? Thank you, Nicholas. Um, I would say um, their primary concern is data. 
at the moment uh, that there is no standard model in smart cities. Uh, some smart cities are operated by the national or local governments, but others are operated by the uh, private sectors. And the level of awareness towards privacy rights is quite diversified, country to country and culture to culture, and regulatory environment is also very different. The further, um, there is much confusion when the smart city adopts uh, technology and such as smart mobility and the uh, collect data. Uh, who is the owner of the data? Who is responsible for compliance with the data privacy regulations and obtain consents from the residents? Or if a private company collects the data uh, from the residents as a controller, do they owe an obligation to share such data uh, in the data collaboration platform hosted by the smart cities so that the data can be accessed and the, uh, the utilized for development of the other services that would be beneficial for the residents. Uh, if that is the case, how the private sector will be remunerated or the how the consideration for providing the data will be calculated. If something bad happens, who will be responsible? Uh, how profit and risk shall be allocated among smart cities and private sectors? As you see, smart city is a very new concept, and we don't have yet uh, at the moment fixed or standard business model or governance model for smart cities. That is a very difficult point, both for the smart cities and the private sectors who wishes to participate uh, in the smart city project. Thank you, Yeko. Understood. So it seems to me that this is still a very fragmented legal landscape. And it, it also seems to me that the key question here from a legal policy perspective is to come up with regulations that protect the individual's right to their data while at the same time fostering innovation. Plus, there seems to be a clear need for international standards. After all, people and vehicles will travel from smart city to smart city. So, Yeko, what is the World Economic Forum doing to address the question of the lack of global regulation? Okay, the World Economic Forum's uh, the Center for Industrial Revolution is organizing a global smart cities alliance consisting of 36 global smart cities to share their experience, issues, and views to operate as smart cities. And based on the uh, discussion among the uh, member smart cities, we have issued some model policies that smart cities are recommended to adopt regardless of their local regulation or their culture, uh, such as open data policy and privacy impact assessment policies. Thank you. It's uh, got to be interesting. Raffaele, it seems that in global regulations, there is still a lot of work to do. But today, what do vehicle and parts manufacturers do now? And how do connected cars interact with smart cities? What is the underlying technology? Yeah, thank you, uh, Nicholas. Well, as many of you already know, uh, connected cars are usually defined not as a uh, good friend of mine would say, a car with a lot of influential friends, <laughs> but a car that is a vehicle equipped with intelligent systems, sensors, and services that are connected to the internet. So through an internet connection, cars are enabled to use a number of different communication technologies to allow the vehicle itself or the driver to communicate with, just to name a few, 
other vehicles, and in fact, we talk about V2V, or infrastructures, the acronym here uh, is V2I, electric grids, V2G, and as you can imagine, people here love the acronyms, pedestrians, V2P, the cloud, V2C, or everything else. So we also often refer to as the V2X environment. So in order to connect to the internet, the connected cars are provided with an embedded SIM and a seamless IMSI code. The IMSI is a, a series of digits that identifies the country, the network, and the mobile user, and is the common methodology to identify any subscriber to a cellular network. Now, this allows them to roam over electronic communications networks and a number of additional specific technologies, such as radar sensors, sonar sensors, LiDAR. LiDAR, as you all know, stands for either light detection and ranging or laser imaging detection and ranging, artificial intelligence, software, and the like. And this make a car smart, connected, and allow the communication between the smart car and the various intelligent elements of a smart city. As we said before, the grids, the infrastructures, the other vehicles, the pedestrians. Now, it follows from this description that these type of communications are exposed to enhanced regulatory scrutiny. And this is aimed at understanding, for example, whether smart buildings do entail a type of electronic communication services, or to name other point of discussion, whether the connectivity standard that is best placed to support the extremely high flow and amount of exchanged data should be on 5G or on Wi-Fi networks. Needless to say, the solution of these and other issues is bound to have a significant impact on the development of a commercially viable business by stakeholders that are active in the sectors of smart cities, connected cars, and smart building as well, as all elements of one large environment that is the connected objects communicating one with the other. Thank you very much, uh, Raffaele. And I do like your picture of the car with the many influential friends. Finally, in one sentence, Jaco, Raffaele and uh, Andrew, what would be your key advice to future mobility clients when it comes to implementing an effective smart cities strategy? Jaco, what do you think? Okay, um, as I mentioned, uh, the smart cities are much diversified and their operational model is very different and are affected greatly by their own culture, country policy and laws. Uh, on the other hand, from business perspective, you cannot develop uh, the tailor-made service or product uh, for each single smart city. So the, uh, the important thing is that to understand purpose, needs, culture, uh, related regulations of each smart city and have to set the right target that is best fit uh, to your business. Thanks, Jaco. Rafael, what about you? Thank you, uh, Nicolas. We do strive to provide market players with a clear perspective on the applicable regulatory framework and the challenges, the opportunities, the relevant market trends, where the industry is going, as we believe that this is the main fuel that can keep a business growing in speed and maintaining its pace 
especially in a newly paved road like this one, where technology moves very fast. Thank you, Raffaele. So over to you, Andrew. Thank you, Nicholas. I think it's critical to remember that this is not an overnight task and nor does one size fit all. There are many aspects that need to be taken into consideration, such as local regulations and compliance with local law and regional laws. And it's important that the business innovators collaborate strongly with their legal departments to ensure that the strategy that is devised is both implementable and effective. Innovation can take many different forms in many different jurisdictions, but if the laws of a state prohibit its execution, then a lot of time and cost has been wasted on a product or a, or a strategy that can ultimately be delivered because of a local law restriction prohibiting it. So I would stress strongly, please do liaise with your local legal department, uh, your in-house department, to ensure that you are keeping them involved and engaged in the conversation. And that will ensure that your strategy is both effective, but also implementable. Thanks, Andrew. So let me try to summarize. Clients should first watch the regulatory developments um, on a global scale quite closely, but they should also try not to be everywhere at the same time and concentrate on the most promising initiatives to further their business. Plus, they should involve their legal department very early on in the process. So thank you very much for joining us today. And thanks to Yeko, Raffaele and Andrew for this insightful session. We do encourage you to tune in for the next episodes of our Future Mobility webcast, in which we will continue to address hot topics in the industry. In the meantime, please feel free to reach out for more insights or advice. Thank you and see you soon.